Hello, everyone. My name is J.D. Gorlett, and I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is Megan's Old Office. This is our April 10th episode as we continue our study, our Lenten study of the seven deadly sins, getting us ready for Easter, which uh, by the time you hear this recording, uh, this uh, episode, uh, Easter's right around the corner, and you should be getting ready. I'm uh, here with my good friend Keith Holmes. Once again, Keith, how we doing, man? We are doing great here on Good Friday. Keith April brings 10th uh, is Good Keith, Friday. Yeah, uh, that's right. And uh, that's when this episode's coming down. And, and uh, Keith always, to the recordings, he always brings these uh, pretzel bites. Oh, yeah. That are filled with peanut butter. Peanut butter. Peanut butter pretzels. And Keith is going to struggle with this episode, I think, because every once in a while I'm going to throw it to him and he's just going to have his mouth I full. I might of, have my mouth full of indeed. Pre- pretzel uh, bites. So you be just ready. You never know. Everybody out there be uh, prepared for that. <laughs> uh, it's a very exciting moment when it happens. Um, and you'll know it because you'll sound like those. <laughs> one of the adults on Charlie Brown. There you go. <laughs> very good. Today we're going to talk about our final uh, of the seven, our last of the um, seven deadly sins, and that uh, is greed. And, you know, the minute we say that word, you know, I think of the movie Wall Street. Yes. With Michael Dutton, exactly. Greed is good. Greed is good. It's all about money and, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the accumulation of wealth. Exactly. But, boy, didn't that just sum up that decade? Greed. I think that was made in the, in the 80s. 80s. Oh, and it sure. was just the perfect way to sum greed, that up. for lack of a better word, is good. Uh, no. And, of course, we don't uh, believe that. Uh, we don't advocate that here at Megan's old office. Or anywhere uh, in know, our lives. We, Thank you very much. Exactly. We know that it's a sin, but we also know that we're not above it. Uh, and I hope that's come through on our on these yeah, podcasts. I hope so too. You're right. You, you and I are not above these. We're not doing this study. Boy, we're, that's, we're very that, much beneath these. We things. we probably should have said that on the first <laughs> version of the first episode <laughs> of this. But now that we're wrapping it up, let us remind everyone, please, if you've made it this far, understand. We're not above any of these sins. Right. We, we're, we're talking about this because we're very well qualified. We're very well familiar <laughs> with all seven of we, these we sins. We may not know all, we may not know the Bible as well as right. we should, but boy, we know right. sin right. like exactly. like the rest of the exactly. world. Exactly. We are filling it up uh, with conversation about all of our feelings. Today, we're talking about greed. And I want to, I mentioned uh, greed in the movie uh, Wall Street because we make the mistake, I think, and I think it's a mistake of, of associating greed, the sin of greed, only with money. Yeah. And uh, last week we were talking about lust, yep. and I think we do the same thing there. We make the mistake of associating lust only with, with sexual sin, right? and that's not necessarily... Lust can apply itself to any number of... We can oh, yeah. lust for... Food. Quite a... Quite, yes. And yeah. lust for... shoes, I mean... And the line, between, the line between lust and greed, I think, is pretty thin, don't yeah, you think? it blurs a little bit every once in a while, that's for sure. It's kind of hard to get the clear definition, I yeah. think, of, of well, these you, things. Yeah, because you're lusting after money. In the, and and, and I, want, I want to read the definition before we get too much more into this. Okay, if I read it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Go ahead. So, wanting more than one needs or deserves. This is Ooh, what greed is. This is greed. Boy. So, just wanting... Wanting more than one needs, certainly, but the thought that the, the the idea that you think you deserve, right, is is deserve to, is always a dangerous spiritual oh word, gosh. isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then an excessive pursuit of wealth, status, and power. There's the real to me. That's the heart of the matter. Is is that we are excessively pursuing this to and and to finish this off to condemn or to the condemnation of eternal things for the sake of that which is temporal. 
So we are giving up. Greed literally makes it so we give up our relationship with God, our, 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 our pursuit of eternal things for things that are not going to last. Right. That rust and decay and, and, and thieves. I mean, the Bible is so rich and full of texts that tell right. you don't. I mean, you couldn't hang a big neon sign flashing, don't do this right. any better than, than with this. And yet we still find ourselves doing it. Yeah, it's interesting that the line between lust and greed. I, I get back to that. That's really, it is really a thin line. And as you read this definition, I see lust there with greed. Mm-hmm. Greed is wanting more than we need or deserve. And that is so easy to deny away. Just like lust is easy right. to deny, yeah, deny away to say it's not there. Uh, we're never going to admit that one of our motivating factors is to have more than we actually need. That, that That's just a driving factor in our lives. And I love what you this, this part of the definition at the end. Greed is to condemn eternal things for the sake of that which is ter- temporal, which means... Uh, we we are we are so singularly devoted and focused on temporal things, on material things, on right. things of this world that we don't give a thought to eternal things. We don't give a thought to the things of God. Just give them That's up. greed. Yeah. We, it, it, greed is like it's like, it, when you say that it's like as if greed is this this place that we arrive at where we have we've pursued what we want, and now we can look around and we're like. I haven't given God a thought at all. And I guess I, you could say that about all of the, the six deadly sins that preceded this study, yeah, that, we, that's that true. We, in our pursuit of those things, we get to this location. Imagine traveling down a road and getting to the point where you're, you pull the car over the side of the road and you're like, I'm nowhere near God at all. I haven't given God a thought. To get to a place where, where you're completely devoid of any thought of God at all, that's that's what that's greed, greed. rends. That's the that's fruit that greed bears. That's uh, Yep. I, I love that. I, I love that image of just arriving at a place where God no longer is, matters to you or even exists in that place because it's so full of you and what you want and your needs and desires and wants that you've basically made no room for God in that place. So before we read, Keith's going to read from uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, verses uh, 13 through 21. we got to cue this up. And I think I'm going to catch Keith off guard here because I'm going to go with this question before you read. Okay. All right. right. Because it's it's still part of the question. It's part of the conversation before you read. So uh, in your own Bibles, as you're listening at home or wherever, uh, you are right now. Uh, Luke chapter twelve, uh, verses uh, thirteen through twenty-one is what we're going to read. But first, Keith. Yes. I mean, come on, man. What do you have too much of? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about greed, that's the question. You, we, we have got. Uh, we got to ask. What do you? Uh, yeah, you were going to ask this of me. We had oh, it all laid out. Oh, yeah. JD, I'm going to ask you this I'm question. So I'm stealing it from Keith. There we go. I'm going to give you credit for this, and uh, but yeah, I'm stealing from you. And I'm I was really you hoping time. you were going to say you go first, so I could think of Yo, what I okay. have too much. What do you? Of what do you have too much of? I have. I mean. And again, in the context of greed, because I could get all sappy and I have too much love for God. And, you know, <laughs> I, all, I, I care too much. Look out, y'all, in yeah, a Hallmark exactly, uh, movie. Exactly, right? Here, yeah. But um, probably, you know, funny is, is I have too much of the things that I've always wanted. And that scares me 
because I was thinking about that the other day when someone was just in conversation talked about winning the lottery. And I know that I will never win the lottery. God will not allow me to win the lottery because I will arrive instantaneously at the place of greed where I will fill it so full of what I want and what I deserve that I will push God completely out of my life. And I think he knows that. I mean, I pray now as I've matured in my walk with him that I wouldn't do that and I would have that and I would be on my guard. But I still don't think he's going to let me win the lottery. Interesting. Very, you know, what so, do you... Yeah, I got too much stuff. I got scuba... Because you know my hobbies. I, I love to ride motorcycles. I like to scuba dive. I play board games. I have shelves and shelves of yeah, board games. we hardly games. ever know where Keith is. Right? right? It's, and, and it's best that way. Yeah. And no, no, not at all. And, and you know, I love to ride the bike and motorcycle parts cost money. And, you know, if I want to fix it up or, or, you know, my scuba gear, you know, I think I posted on my Facebook feed, you know, tax return, you mean scuba gear incentive? You know, right. because I want to spend that. I want to spend that money and that time and that effort on those things. Interesting. Yeah. You have a lot of stuff, and right. it's good. It's 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 very impressive that you're able to say I've got too much of a lot of things that I love. But the things that you have, as it is with all of us, this is not just a Keith problem. Uh, unique to you, is, you, you know, you you admit that you have all those things, and you admit that having all those things, having abundance of those things, creates the desire to have more of the right. same kinds of things or have better. I mean, I have nice golf clubs, yep. but I want even I want the latest thing. Oh, yeah, you know, that's true. The, you know, because my clubs don't listen to what I want them to do. Right. You know, we all I have per- perfectly good stuff there, yeah. but I'd like better. Right. And of course, the question of what do you have too much of is very relative too. Uh, and it's oh, it's very humbling for anybody living in the United States of America in the 21st century because what any of us has is so much more oh, the, than than so many people who live today or who have ever lived. Yep. I saw a statistic once, and I don't know if it's accurate. And frankly, I don't even care if it's accurate because I think it says so much. Uh, and that is, if you own a pair of shoes right now, if you own one pair of shoes, you're wealthier than half the people on the planet. Yeah. Uh, somebody quoted that to me a few years back. Okay, is that true? I don't know. But it sure does make you think. Right. If that's possibly true, man, I ought to do a lot more shutting up about what I don't right. have. Yeah, I, around our house, we tend to use, oh, that's a first world problem. Yes. As the as the answer to, uh, my car wouldn't start this morning, or my you know, um, my wife has a remote start on the, on her van, and and when the check engine light comes on, it disengages that. Right. And so she's like, uh, I had to go out to the car and start it this morning myself. <laughs> right. And I love my wife, and please forgive me if you hear this, my darling, and and I'm sorry for airing laundry. Yeah, you're like making that, a horrible yeah. mistake right now because uh, Keith's wife is flowers on the way. Alice is yeah. an absolutely fantastic person, but you, but you it know. but it is such a it's it's the perfect example. I mean, as small a thing as. Pushing a button and getting your car to start, and when it doesn't, it's such a big ordeal. And we're all guilty of it. Absolutely. We're all guilty of it. We've got all of this stuff, and we, it simply causes us to want more. Yep. Uh, and, I, yeah, if I could step back from some of the conversations that I have, some of the things I say, <laughs> that I, I just – the same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, Alice is not yeah. alone on that. Oh, no. Where I would just be ashamed. I mean, just like I, instead yeah. of being thankful for – you know the the dishwasher. I'm wondering, you know, why it 
why does it take two and a half hours for this thing to work? <laughs> We're crying out loud. I just, I need to, yeah, just, I want to shut up. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We, we, yeah, I actually had that on my, on my monitor back in the day when I worked for customer service a long, long time ago. It, it had shut up Keith on it yeah. because I would so easily get into conversations and usually digress to complaining about things with the customer. You know, we'd get to yakking and blah, 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 and all of a sudden it'd be like, okay, Keith, shut, it's time to shut up. And you know, so one of the things, I need that sign back in my life. One now. of the things that, along these lines, we're going to read from Luke here in just a second. It just one one last oh, yeah. comment oh. uh, is that so many times uh, I find myself and I and, and certainly I mean all of us uh, when we complain, we're not complaining that something is broken or something is is, is somebody's made done something terrible. Right. We're complaining that something's not perfect. Right. Uh, you know, it's like uh, we have this and it's perfectly good uh or this thing that someone's done in in our lives is 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 acceptable and and instead of celebrating the fact that they did a 95 percent good job we're we're complaining about the five percent that they did a a, a lack of perfection exactly and and i think that's coming from greed i think the greed for not you know it's that excessive pursuit of something you're 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 no longer being eternal minded, you're being temporal minded because it's not good enough now. Yeah. And right. so, all right, we're let's go. get into it. There man. we go. Where are we yeah. going? Now that we've been here for the last right. half hour, and right. we've no, got no. one minute left or yeah, whatever. No, right. yeah. All right, here we go. This is from Luke, ele- uh, Luke 12, excuse me, Luke 12, 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? At the And then he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told this parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I may say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, who will they be? Whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Boy, that's just a rewording of the definition we read just a minute ago. It is, isn't it? Oh my yeah, gosh. Exactly. I'm interested, Keith, by how we're getting into the parable. Jesus tells a parable here, but I don't I think we should spend a minute. It's right. important for us to spend a minute on how the conversation begins. So there's a, you know, we—it's easy to read this parable and just go this right passage, to it. Right, yeah. read the passage and just go right to the parable right. part of it. But the, it starts with a conversation. Right. Uh, it's it, there's a man at the beginning of the conversation that is not a part of a parable. It's an not, actual it's human actual being conver- that walked the earth. Exactly. Who said to Jesus, "Tell my brother to divide." The family inheritance with me. So he's got a problem, and he wants Jesus to. Fa- what is the man? What is he? What do you think he wants Jesus to do? <laughs> That's easy. He wants to be Jesus on. He wants Jesus to be on his side. Okay. He is so focused on getting his money 
from his brother. He's gone to the teacher, this teacher of teachers, this man right. who has been making things happen that are, I mean, that are the, is, you know, now being told, called the Messiah. And he's saying, if you're on my side, I can't lose Jesus. But this is what you have to do for me. Right. I, you have to tell my brother to give me my money. So I agree with you completely. He not only wants Jesus on him, his side, mm-hmm. he wants Jesus on his side in a certain way that he's our, right. as, uh, according to a certain criteria. It's like, I've got this problem. My brother is taking the whole inheritance, and I want you to be on my side, and I want you to go and yell at my brother yep. to give me what I deserve. Okay, uh, now, let's pause right there. We haven't even gotten to the parable. This is just the beginning. This is just what elicited the parable out of Jesus. This guy is talking to Jesus, which is, by the way, the exact same thing that we do when we pray. Yep. And he's saying, Jesus, I, I've got this problem, and this is how I want you to fix it. Right. This is what I want you to... He's telling him what to say. He's telling Jesus what to say for crying and out And what loud. to do. Okay, so now let's pause for a minute and ask this question. How many of us have done that to Jesus? <laughs> okay, Jesus, I've got this thing that I don't like about my world, and I've got it all figured out exactly what you're supposed to do. How many of us pray like that? Uh, I, I, all, I mean, certainly all never I do, you know, Come on, man. I, I mean, never pray that how many way. Of us, yeah. How many of us pray like that oh and gosh. never stop to, say, to stop to see that that, that wording... Uh, is is a product of greed of oh. our of our desire to have everything. We're so blind. That guy is so blind to what what's really important. He's so yep. focused on what he has to have or what he thinks he has to have. Right. He doesn't even see it, does he? No, no. I, I think one of the greatest stories ever told in this regard um, can be used in this one as well, and that is Aladdin and the Lamp. <laughs> I mean, what could be more satisfying? Than rubbing a lamp and having a magical creature come out and give you whatever you want. And how do we take that? How often do we take that and transpose it or or or, or overlay that on our relationship with Jesus right. and on and God? Right. God, you're my genie. I rub I prayed. I read the book. I prayed like you told me to. I'm rubbing the lamp now. Come on. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Now answer my prayer right. and, and do it the way I tell you to do it. And by the way, the first of my three wishes is yeah. to wish for unlimited wishes. Right, exactly. Uh, so that I can have this. I mean, that's how greedy I am. Oh, yeah. I just think it's amazing that he I, I, I wonder out loud, I want everybody who's listening to this to answer this question. How many times have you gone to Jesus and prayed in, in almost identical form to what this guy is saying? Jesus, I've got this problem. That's what he's saying. Yep. He's saying, I've got this problem with my brother. I've got this problem with the, this family member, this coworker, this whatever. Right. And I've, the pro, I've got it figured out. Right. I don't need you, Jesus, to figure it out for me. Right. I don't need you to teach me anything. I've got it figured out. Yep. Uh, all I want to do is animate you, right, uh, to to be authority uh, to be the authority here and fix it the way I want it. It's, right. it's like he's a ventriloquist, and right. Jesus is the dummy. He's the dummy, and he doesn't even recognize this at all. No, and 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 again, we're going to get into the parable here, but this is an actual human being that walked the earth. Right. I mean, the guy in this—the guy in the parable—is again a bit of a, 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 you know, a caricature of of all of us. But this guy, I, I never get over that. That I love that when when the parables start with with, and so someone came to Jesus and Jesus told this parable because it's just so it shows us that 
absolutely nothing has changed in 2,000 years because we're sitting here talking about the same thing still today. We want Jesus to do what we want him to do, just like the guy at the beginning. I of agree, this and I love the fact that he that Jesus refuses. Yeah. Jesus well, doesn't even hesitate. He just shoots this down. So why did he do it? Well, I mean, imagine Jesus saying, yeah, sure, I'll go and do what you want. You're right. You're smarter than me. Uh, I'll just just write it down and I'll sign. I'll sign Jesus <laughs> by, right by the X, and that'll settle it up. I love the. But do we love? I love the fact that he review, refuses to be this for meet this guy's and fulfill this guy's expectation. I'm not sure. I like it when Jesus doesn't fulfill meet or fulfill my expectations. Right. And I am guilty. I'll admit. I'm guilty of going to God, going to Jesus in my prayers and saying, I got it figured out. I know exactly what I want you to say and do and when and where and to whom and all this kind of stuff. Yep. And, you know, I do that all the time. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm every bit as bad as this guy in this passage. And Jesus blesses him, blesses me by refusing to be that, by refusing Wait, to... Wait, he blesses you by denying you what you want? <laughs> exactly. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want... Jesus doesn't want, and I don't think he can justify that priority, that mentality. Right. He he blesses me and loves me by not letting me uh, succeed in that greed. Right. Uh, succeed in, in in with that priority. He knows that I can be better than that. He's not going to answer that. He's not going to dance for me when I tell him to. Right. And thanks be to God that he, he wouldn't be worth worshiping if he did. What kind of God would that be? I, you know, like I say at the beginning, like I was saying at the beginning, I jokingly oftentimes will say God doesn't, God will never let me win the lottery. Of course, you have to buy a ticket. I understand. I've to noticed do that, that you've gone yeah. to the lottery yeah. and to the genie's lamp. Yeah, you seem right. to be very uh, uh, very temporal at this right. moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 again, I think that. You know, in and of itself, it's like shows me. Now, yes, we all understand the odds. Anyone, any, you know, any adult that understands math and a little bit, even a little bit, because I understand math a little bit, the odds of winning the lottery are astronomical, right? Mm. Greater, what is it? I think they say you can get hit by lightning before that. But the fact still remains if God wanted to, if God knew it would be in my best interest, I would win that lottery. Right. But I don't, because God doesn't care, or God cares enough, I should get more than enough, to not allow me to succeed in that, because he knows what, what will happen. You. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily happen to everybody, no. but that's an interesting illustration. It kind of reminds me off on a little bunny trail here. I once bought, the, the jackpot got to be some un- unbelievable number, and so I went to the gas station and bought one ticket. There right. were people there buying all these oh, tickets, yeah. 50 at a time, and so I buy one ticket. And the lady says, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm buying a lottery ticket. You got to buy more than one. I said, I said, lady, if God wants me to have this, He could hit this ticket right here. He's out. That's all He needs. That's all I need. Now, by the way, He didn't hit that ticket. Uh, <laughs> That's why we're here at the church. But you're not now, talking yeah. about winning the lottery. I'm you're not. talking. You're talking about what that would do to you spiritually and to and, your relationship with God. And it doesn't even have to be the lottery. It can be you know something as mundane as a new car for somebody or it could be you know hey i finally got a you know I, I have a chance am i doing the right thing god if i use this credit card to buy this massive thing that will put me into debt right. well that god's answer is always going to be no even though you have the credit card even though you worked at it and you got your credit card and you got your credit up and everything he's going to try and protect you from those from yourself in those moments and here's news 
and it should be obvious to all of us, you've already won the lottery. You've already done better yeah. than winning the lottery. Amen. If you're breathing, if you're uh, sucking wind, uh, you've already uh, hit the lot better than the lottery and done better than the genie's lamp. Do you? Are you satisfied with that? Yeah. I mean, look, look around. I mean, that, that's an easy message to preach for crying out loud. Yeah. Keith, we got to get into the parable right. before Jonathan starts throwing stuff at us and Uh-oh. telling us to shut Uh-oh. up. So. Uh, how do you want to? How do you want to dive into that? So let me ask then: What is the par- What in the parable sets the stage for all that follows? Okay, where so is our Where's our stage setting? So retelling the parable really quick. Jesus says, "There's this guy. He's a farmer. He's got great land. It and it produces abundantly, uh, more than he can take in. So he tears down his silos. He he stores all his crops, and then he tells himself, "Man, I'm good. I got everything I need. Eat, drink, and be merry." Right. And uh, Jesus condemns this guy for his attitude for serving greed rather than serving God. Yep. But I want, in answer to your question of what sets the stage, Jesus is careful to set the stage of the parable. The parable begins, it's not even a story worth telling, unless the fields produce abundantly. That's the first line. The go. first line, the opening thing is, there's a man whose fields produced abundantly. abundantly. Abundance creates problems. Is abundance in and of itself a bad thing? No. By no means. Is wealth, is money in and of itself a bad thing? Uh, It says, Jesus says that money is the the root of all kinds of evil, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. It it, it just depends. It's a dangerous thing. He's telling us how dangerous abundance is. Yep. It doesn't have to be. It can't. It, it, it doesn't have to uh, become lord uh, over our lives and redefine our living and our relating to God. But it certainly can, right. and, it, and it certainly will. And as we've talked about, particularly last week when we were talking about lust, man, it it, it goes by. It happens, and we fall so fast. Things fall apart on this so fast when it comes to greed, without us even thinking about it. Jesus is careful to set the stage and say. Abundance is it creates a stage that's dangerous. Yep. Last week we were talking about David, and we talked about the fact that he was alone. Right, that sets the stage. Does yep. it necessarily? Isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, nope. but be wary right when that happens. You see yep. what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. So then, so now we have a guy with an abundant crop, and. He is. He's saying to himself, "I'm going to tear down my. I'm going to tear down my my barns and build bigger ones." And then we get to verse 19. So I, I want to reread verse 19 because the question I have for you here is, what is the error in his thinking in this particular voice uh, in the passage? And he says to and he said to himself, "I will say to my soul, soul, you will have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry." What is the error in his thinking in that verse? I mean, right. It's so funny because he's having a conversation with the soul. Hey, soul. Hey, soul. How are you doing? Oh, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm doing, doing really great. great. I've got everything that I need and all this. What's the error in his thinking? The error is in his thinking is that he did this himself. Yeah. The error in his, in his thinking, right, is, is that he really indeed has everything that he needs. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be argued that Jesus is saying, whenever you get to thinking that you can decide that you have everything that you need, you're making a mistake. Yep. That only God really knows uh, and is uh, is really a qualified uh, expert mm-hmm. in the field of everything that Keith or JD needs. needs. Uh, the mistake that he makes and that we make is to to, to assume that 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 we're really good at 
deciding, evaluating, deciding, and proclaiming what we have to have. Right. Uh, absolutely. I know I do constantly. I'm like, I need this. I need that. I need. It's like, I don't need this, that. But when, need... Keith, we make this mistake all the time without even noticing it. Yep. It's the mistake of, of saying, I, I am. I'm good at this. I'm right. good at yeah. now. I can tell you what cool. I'm good at and what I'm and I'm not very good at on right. most things. I mean, I'm, right. I'm you know I'm not good at making four foot putts. Right. I, uh, I'm good at making cinnamon rolls. Yeah. You know, which I, by the way he is. Well, and I sit there and I here I do this all the time, without even noticing it. I assume that I'm good at deciding what's enough. Yeah. And, and I think Jesus is condemning that in us. Well, I certainly, I know for me, what God considers enough is probably not what I would consider enough. And I got I a would, problem with that. Right. I Everyone has a problem with that. I don't want that. God deciding what's enough for me, what's right. good enough. Right. I've and, got a pretty good idea myself, God. Just back off. And yet every single Sunday, I'm getting together and leading people in this little prayer in which we say... Lord, give us this day our daily, daily bread. bread. In other words, if you just give me my daily bread, I'll be happy. And, and yep. God must listen to us saying that and saying, <laughs> oh, my, you don't mean you, that. Exactly. What, you know, talk about hypocrisy. Well, it's if, so true. If nothing else, Keith, I'd like, all, I'd like me to walk out of this saying, holy cow, J.D., start, start stopping. Start right. stopping this thing where you're deciding and completely convinced that you are perfectly qualified to decide what's enough for you to have right. all the time. I, and I, that would be a good step in the direction of defeating greed. I think so. And, and, and uh, just to close this off, we've, we've heard that we've heard, you know, what this, what the first guy is saying, the human, what the real person is saying. And then the art, the fella in the parable who, you know, could very well be a real person for all we know, but what life is the man rejecting in the parable? And even maybe the, the guy on the street that asked Jesus to come, what, what life are they rejecting? Well, they're re rejecting a, a life of, of Jesus being Lord of their lives, of de deciding uh, what is enough for them. We've talked about that. I think the man in the parable is rejecting a life of real joy and peace. I mean, he, he, is But he, he has everything he needs. He's saying to himself, I have everything. I, I have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, do we really believe that the accumulation of goods can really answer and, and speak to and, and satisfy our deepest soul need? I mean, if that's the case, then great. This guy is the most blessed guy in the world. But I think Jesus is clearly inferring that um, nothing that you can accumulate, nothing you tell yourself uh, is ever going to really satisfy that deepest soul need. You will never get have enough. He's yeah, he's for, and he's rejecting that, any opportunity to have that. And that's a, and that's the great way of saying it. He's rejecting the a, a much better life in Christ. In and I think we would too. I think and you and I know it, and we we practice it. Just simply saying, God, tell me to, you know, help me shut up and be happy with what you have given me, my daily bread. Amen. Amen. Well, this concludes our Seven Deadly Sins series. You're ready. Everybody's ready for Easter now. Uh, I hope you are, uh, and I hope this has been a, a great blessing to everybody uh, to study these Seven Deadly Sins. Yep. We're going to come back to our parables series yep, we'll that uh, those. We, we just paused for uh, the special season of Lent. Yep. So next week we're going to be back 
with our April 17th episode. We're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan, and, uh, and we're going to love doing that. So uh, make plans to join us. Well, let me, let me be the first to say, J.D., to you, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. All right. We'll see you next week here on Megan's Old Office. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.